Good afternoon, folks. It's that time again, 1 p.m. here on Saturday. Time for the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. This is Sam DeMarco, your host for the Elephant in the Room, joined by uh, my Robin to my Batman here, John Schneider, the Executive Director for the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, and our producer, as always, Dazzling Daryl Grandy. Folks, welcome to the show. Daryl, we have a great show for these folks today. Do we not? I'm excited. I'm very excited about this. And John, please, let's get your requisite two or three words. Yeah, in yeah here no, I'm beginning. excited to hear, have Guy here. I've known Guy since 2010 when he served as Bush Cheney's uh, statewide director. So this is great. I've never met Guy before. Well, John has already exceeded his quota okay, of words. <laughs> I just give like a buzz. Typically, the man, the man, a few words, yeah, right? It's, it's, but no, folks, to our listeners, we are very excited today. <clears throat> Because we have a returning guest, Guy Shiraki. And Guy was just on the show a couple weeks ago. And my gosh, we ran out of time. I mean, John, it was such an incredible conversation. We were talking about things, changing demographics in the state of Pennsylvania, what Republicans needed to do. And we couldn't wait to have Guy back. I asked him if he would be able to come back. He's here today. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show, Guy Shiraki. Guy, welcome to the Elephant in the Room. Good afternoon, Sam. Thanks for having me back. And uh, hello to Daryl and John. <laughs> well, next time you're in town, we'll have to pop in and you can meet these folks in person. But yeah, no, we, we are so excited to have you because, I mean, boy, it seems like politics uh, for folks that are in it just never seems to end, right? <clears throat> no sooner do you go through one election cycle than the other is already beginning. And here we are, 2023, with some major political races on the horizon. We have an open seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. We have two seats on Pennsylvania's Superior Court and one on the Commonwealth Court. So we have these judicial races that are taking place. But it's also in the backdrop in Allegheny County, we have a county executive race in which the Republicans have a formidable challenger, Joe Rocky, who's on the ballot. And, uh, you know, all of this, while this is all taking place, sitting in the background, so to speak, is what the heck are Republicans doing in regards to early voting and mail-in ballots. Have we learned our lesson in the curb stomping we took last year? And are we ready to move forward and do what it takes to win? So, I mean, I, you know, and, and all of this is a precursor to next year, 2024, and you're already seeing all of that with the Trump and the DeSantis and, you know, all the other folks that are jumping in. So, Guy, I mean, is this an exciting time for someone that wants to pay attention to politics or what? It is an exciting time, Sam. Uh, it's also a time for Republicans uh, and, and those who care about the party, and more importantly, those who care about the future of the, the state and the country. Take a little peek backward and think, what did we learn from 2022? What did we learn from 2023? And how do we get ready for 2024? You know, what are the what are the lessons we're learning? And that's uh, that's why, like folks like you and I, keep talking about it, and I keep writing about it. Where are we uh, Republicans today, and uh, how do we begin to turn? turn our luck around, and there's no shortage of races uh, this year and no shortage of candidates getting ready for next year. So it is an exciting time and some important races, and uh, it is very uh, important for the Republican Party to get its act together because there are important issues in front of us and important races, and we want to be successful, not just to win because winning beats losing, and it does, but winning because we have we have some good ideas that we'd like to be able to put into practice and and. We disagree with some of the things that Democrats are doing to our communities, to our schools, and to our nation. 
And the way to fix that is for we as Republicans to get our act together and get ready to win some races. So it's an exciting time, and there'll be no shortage of opportunities in 2023 and 2024. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, you talked about winning. You know, uh, I, I don't say winning is important in the Vince Lombardi mode where he, you know, he said winning is everything. But if we don't win, we can't govern. If we can't govern, we can't implement some of these exciting ideas that you're talking about. It's some of the things that we know will actually lead to prosperity for the residents of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania because, and we know that they will because we've seen them, you know, implemented in other states across the country in which the proof is there. I mean, just look at states in Texas, no personal income tax, Florida, you know, and a number of others. I mean, folks where these are states where businesses are moving and creating jobs, you know, so that so that residents' children and grandchildren can stay there and settle there and uh, you know, don't have to move away to look for employment. So there's a lot of changes that we need to make here, but we have to be uh, have been elected in order to take and make them. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, that, that's why you do it. Uh, that's why we run races. That's why, that's why people make the sacrifices, why people volunteer their time. As you and I are saying, it's not just about election night and the excitement of winning. And, and it is a lot of fun because you put a lot of energy into it. But it is about the opportunity to do the things we think are necessary. There's some genuine, uh, real disagreements between the two parties now in terms of how we fight crime and how we create jobs and how we create and use energy, uh, what, what America's role is in the world, how we protect our economy. There's some real issues and there's some real differences of opinion. That's why we, we need to be successful. And you and I, when we talked last time, we were talking about a column I had written that, you know, the Republicans have been the party of no because we've been so busy defending against every wacky idea coming down the pike that we mm-hmm. hadn't really taken time to tell voters what we're for. So there are things that we're for and we should, we should go out and tell folks what we are for. Uh, and then as you alluded to with mail-in, you know, the, the path to success has a few pieces. It starts with good candidates talking about things people are talking about their kitchen table and then running good races and good races in, in 2023 have to include mail-in voting. We can't have people who are supporters of ours. We can't have supporters who don't show up at the polls, who don't cast a vote. Uh, we need to find a way to get them to vote, whether it's whether it's by mail or at the polls. So uh, that's why this year is so important. It's important because of the important races this year, whether they're in Allegheny County or statewide. But they're important getting ready for next year as, as well. And uh, that's why the focus has to be on rebuilding the party and learning learning how to win. Because last year we didn't do a very good job at, at winning, uh, especially in competitive races. We need to find a way to win in competitive seats in order to do the things we want to do to show folks that things can, in fact, be better. We don't have to accept high crime. We don't have to accept inflation. We don't have to accept a weak economy. Those things can be turned around, but we need to get to office mm-hmm. to show folks we know how to do it. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and one of the reasons I always enjoy talking to you, and I'm sure our listeners enjoy listening to you, is you are really a thought leader here in the Republican Party, particularly you know, in the state of Pennsylvania. And the things you were talking about earlier, you know, about Republicans need to just lead, okay? Get out in front, talk about the ideas that we want to put forth, talk about, explain to people why it matters to them, you know, the benefit to them and their family, and just move forward with it, you know, uh, because you can't just stand around trying to, as a Republican Party, we try to unite and bring everyone together. We can't spend our time reaching out to every disparate group to try to sort of corral them because then we're not moving forward, okay? We're looking inward instead of outward. Uh, you know, I believe that we need to take and be bold 
you know, take these ideas, these initiatives that you're talking about, and we need to put them out into public discourse and lead, you know, and we articulate the ideas properly and we explain the benefits to people. I believe that they'll follow. So I'm, I'm excited about where we go from here and hopefully more Republicans than just John and I and Daryl, you know, are listening to what you have to say. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's why I started to to write. Uh, I had always, you know, over the years, uh, no matter what I was doing professionally, I had always written from time to time, uh, whether it was letters to the editor or, or guest columns. Uh, and I live in Chester County, uh, mm-hmm. west, west of Philly, and I, I would write in the Philadelphia Inquirer or in our county paper, the Daily Local News. And... Uh, and then more and more when there are different online journals and Broad Liberties one that uh, is gaining in popularity across the state, uh, I started writing and writing. And then uh, when I was uh, the president of the Chester County Chamber, uh, I began to write and wrote a lot during the lockdowns uh, about the harm that was being done to small business. So I've continued to write now and have spent really a good part of the last five months post-election thinking about uh, where we go forward as a party to win, to grow the party, to be successful, and remind people what we're for and, and talk about the things you and I have been talking about, about, about fighting crime, about uh, uh, school choice and empowering parents, and, and about giving kids opportunities to succeed, about American energy, uh, about the way things could be, because I think our, our vision of America uh, is one filled with optimism and possibility and not with misery uh, and not with suffering and not with resignation and not with dwindling resources, but growing resources. And we have to share that. And and as I wrote in uh, my uh, recent column in, in Real Clear, uh, look, we, Pennsylvania is changing, particularly around uh, our cities, particularly you know, around suburban Philadelphia, suburban Pittsburgh. Uh, we are changing ethnically. We are we are not only growing with our Hispanic population, but there are more and more uh, Asian Indians, more and more Chinese Americans. And it may sound cliche, but it's true. First generation or second generation, the folks who gave up everything to came, to come here. Most of the folks who co- who give up everything to come here, who do it legally, who put down roots. They came here for the American dream. Mm-hmm. They came here to grow economically so that their children could do better than them. Their ideas and what, what uh, excited them, what gave them the courage to move hundreds or thousands of miles from where they grew up to come here was the American dream. And our party's platform about growth and opportunity and doing better in each generation, doing better than the next, that's a Republican message. So as Pennsylvania changes, we should open our eyes and see how the state is changing. And those new citizens and those new voters and those new residents uh, are the first place that we ought to be looking. As I've said to you and others when have similar conversations with other hosts around the state, you sit down with a family that's a, that's a first or second generation family from, from communist China that came here <coughs> to the United States. You don't have to talk to them about the American dream. They will tell it to you. Right. They will tell you why they came here, and they will tell you when they're disappointed, when America is beginning to change in a way they don't like. So if we just open up our, our eyes and, and, and roll up our sleeves, there are ways to grow this party and to actually get a chance to do the things uh, for, for first generation and for those who've been here for multiple generations to make sure the American dream is just not some fantasy, but it's a reality. Our kids really can do better than us. We just have to put them in a position where they can succeed. But one of the things you said that uh, that I that I agree with is how striking I found it that most of the immigrants that I talk to, people that have come here from another country, 
they can articulate what America stands for and what it means much more than many of the citizens who live here, you know, and were raised, but just have taken this nation for granted, right? And that's an indictment of our public school system, you know, and what folks are being taught today. Oh, and it's, and, and it's you know, everything's come 180 degrees. The, aside from learning what they're supposed to learn, how to read and write and critically think and analyze problems, part of it was, was civics. It used to be called civics. You know, you were, as a student, we're supposed to learn how the government worked, what the Constitution said, the separation of powers, uh, why the country was founded the way it was founded. Mm-hmm. I- instead, what is loosely disguised as American history is really political ideology, and it is largely an ideology that has been one that tears down America, that explains to students why America has failed. And look, America's not perfect. There, there's never been a perfect person. There's never been a perfect nation. But when, when children are subjected to years and years of being told that uh, America is... Uh, you know, uh, racist or bigoted or re- re- America's imperialist and, and you tear it down without showing any of the good, without showing any of the positive, without explaining to, to young students what life is like in other places, what life is like in China, what life is like in Cuba, what life is like in North Korea, what life is like in many other nations around the world. You put them in a position where they enter the world as young voters and, and they're looking to fulfill the American dream. They're looking to forget that they're American. They're, they're looking to apologize that they're American. And, and so schooling has changed, uh, but also the idea of having sort of a rigorous debate has changed. You know, one of the, one of the hallmarks of good education used to be you, would, you would, would share information with students, but you would teach them to critically think and go out and ask questions and learn and what have you. And that whole part, uh, there's a lot of that that has gone away so that, uh, Students now are sort of taught almost a uh, almost a religion, and uh, come out, and and it's left to the rest of us to try and say, unteach it. So again, all the more reason why uh, there needs to be transparency. You know, things that Republicans are talking about there needs to be transparency in terms of what are the students' curriculum and the books that they're using. There needs to be school choice so the parents are in charge so that. If, if parents are not happy with what's being taught at the school, they're given the resources to go on to another school. Uh, you know, look, I don't want everybody in any community or any nation to all think the same way, but it seems as though today uh, too many folks in academia are trying to produce generation after generation of people that all think one way. And it, it's worse because they're not only trained to think one way, they're trained not to discuss uh, or, or, or entertain even other perspectives. So that's, that's why, Again, our, our vision of, of education is one where the fundamentals should be reinforced and brought back to the top, reading, writing, arithmetic, critical thinking, science, and then, and then uh, you know, reminding them, of course, America has flaws, but reminding them of the good, but send them off into the world equipped with the tools to succeed and to ask questions and to debate with their friends so they can reach their own conclusions rather than indoctrinating them. Uh, that's why education is so critical. And again, one of the reasons we, we need to campaign and learn how to campaign better so that we can win, so that we can bring about the policies, put kids in a position to, to uh, be leaders. Well, that type of groupthink that's being encouraged on campuses today is very dangerous to this country. And <clears throat> we saw what happened when uh, federal judge, uh, Judge Duncan, went to speak at Stanford, you know, and these folks shut him down, prevented him from speaking. And we're seeing it here at the University of Pittsburgh here in Allegheny County. There's a Michael Knowles who does a yeah. podcast on the Daily Wire, 
is scheduled yep. to speak. And because of a comment he made in regards to transgenderism, I mean, they've got a petition. They have 5,000 signatures. They're demanding that he not uh, take and speak. <clears throat> you had uh, Jessica Benham, state representative from Allegheny County, come out yesterday calling on the university to cancel this. And that's absolutely the worst thing you can do. And, and the, certainly the wrong thing you do. Here's somebody that swore an oath to the Constitution to defend the Constitution and is violating the First Amendment by trying to prevent free speech. You know, uh, I will tell you, I used to have a, uh, he passed away in, a few years ago, but I had a good friend that was a former Pennsylvania Supreme Court justice, who was a Democrat. And he and I became friends over mutual, um, you know, love of animals. He volunteered at an animal shelter, and my wife was a volunteer there as well. And he and I became friends, and we would go to dinner a couple times a month, and we would talk, you know, over conversation. But it gave me an opportunity to challenge my ideas and my viewpoints, you know, as well as his. And sometimes when you're forced to think and respond, you know, it it, it sort of opens your eyes and to, to, to people's different perspectives and things like that. And that's all being lost on campuses today is these kids are being you're engaging in groupthink <clears throat> and any speech that they don't like, they're calling it hate speech. And then they're trying to say it's, it's violent. I mean, please, the violence is coming from the folks who are actually committing violence, you know, uh, and that's on the left. So I'm very, uh, <clears throat> very concerned about where our nation is today. Uh, but I am optimistic, you know, just like you, you know, I believe in the end, you know, uh, free speech and the, the best ideas will win out. But we certainly have a battle in front of us and one I wish we didn't have to fight. Yeah, look, it, it is unfortunate, right? Because most of us believe that most of, you know, our, uh, you and I may not agree on everything, but we have similar goals and similar values. Mm-hmm. But y- you have debate and conversation. What I think is disappointing, you touched on it, Sam, what has become so disappointing is in the political realm and on universities and in schools is that there's no longer a debate. There's no longer a give and take. No one's challenged. It's just they're just these things are recited with almost religious fervor as truths. Uh, and they're just not it's just not that there's an idea of good or bad, but or an idea that you should help people or an idea that you should be tolerant. It's that you have to think the way I think and use the words I use. And if you don't think the way I think and use the words I use, I then begin calling you all sorts of names and attacking your character and mm-hmm. your morality. And you can't have dialogue in that. As you said, uh, look, it's, it's not my job to defend any other person for everything they've said. But at a university is the place of all places. When people are 18, 19, 20, they're beginning to think of bigger thoughts. They're beginning to think of not just their career, their family. They're beginning to think about ideas. They're beginning to challenge themselves. They're they're meeting candidates. That's the very moment where they should be able to say and explore and challenge their professors and challenge speakers. And the way... If you don't like something that one of these folks said, go to the event, ask a question. Or there's other ways to protest. Sit silently, whatever you want to do. But the idea that you can't have someone come to a campus and we're going to close you off because I don't like you is 180 degrees removed from what college was created for. It's to bring people onto campus of far left, far right, strong environment, strong uh, fossil fuel beliefs, strong beliefs on on. American military or pacifism. Go and listen and learn. It's the time to do it. You're you're in an academic world. You have the, the freedom. You have the luxury of sitting down and going to hear people with different perspectives. And the idea that somebody's speech 
is so wrong that it shouldn't be heard. And as you're saying, Sam, when when over and over again, the sense is that 99 times out of 100, if not 100 out of 100, it's someone whose ideas are right of center, can't come on campus and even be heard. It's just wrong. And it's not just wrong because it's wrong for the speaker. Most of these folks are professionals and they're grownups and they dust themselves off and move to the next stop. It, it's wrong for the university and it's wrong for the message. Again, whatever whatever Michael knows is going to talk about when he comes to, to Pitt, whatever he's going to say, it's more the idea is that when you tell him he can't come, it's not about what he was going to say that day, is that you're teaching people that you should close your mind off, mm-hmm. you should close your eyes and ears off from hearing something different. And as you said, it's one of the ways that you learn how to better defend what you believe is by being challenged, or heaven forbid, every once in a while you may hear someone and think, that's a, that's an outlook I never considered. And the shame is that's what we're taking away from the very people. We're sending them there for higher education. We're sending them there to think, and we're cutting them off from ideas, saying that certain ideas are bad. That is a judgment you should reach after you hear it. And this is a radical idea. You and I can disagree about the role of fossil fuels. That doesn't make you or me evil. This idea now that everybody has to be evil and you have to call them, you know, hateful names or tell them they're spewing hate speech. It, it's a shame. It's a shame because uh, higher education is be, being turned on its head upside down. It's, it's not a place for, for thought or creativity. It's becoming a place for indoctrination. And, uh, and then, these, then we're sending folks into the world, and that's what they've been taught. I believe X. So I only watch these TV channels, I only listen to these podcasts, and I only shop at these stores. And those are things that just keep us further and further divided and keep the tension level so high. And that's really why it's unfortunate. No, you're Again, Guy, uh, you and I agree on so many things there, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they go to college to receive an education, and you're not getting an education if you're not learning, you know, what the different views of a particular subject are and why people believe in them. I mean, this country is a divided country politically, you know, so at least almost 50% of the people disagree with you on most issues, okay? <clears throat> why would you want to shut off and, as you said, close your mind, you know, to, to any other perspectives, uh, you know, uh, and it just, it, it, it never makes any sense. You know, the left is constantly preaching to us about the need to think about how marginalized people feel while they go about trying to marginalize 50% of the country. I just, I just don't understand it. Right. And again, the idea that, that things are hate speech are wrong. You know, you know last time we were, we were together, we, we talked about education. And look, there are different ways to try and achieve certain goods. What I want to make sure is that we're all trying to achieve the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, in terms of education, that each child can reach her potential and that each child is put in a position to be successful, to take, be able to take care of themselves, to be able to raise a family and be able to contribute to their family, to their community and to society. We can debate the how, but I'm focused on that and I'm focused on results. I'm not focused on feelings or intentions. I'm focused on results. I want to support schools that work. I, I don't really care what the name is on the front of the school building. I care about whether that school is putting children in a position to learn, whether their test scores show them they're learned, whether history tells us these folks go on and are able to attend high school or college or go to a technical school and learn a trade and be contributing. That's what we should care about. And so when you know folks like me come along and say they support school choice and they want to let parents have vouchers or scholarships or children be able to go to charter school, they come back and say, well, it's because you hate public education. I'm saying, what part of that has 
has to do with hating public education. <laughs> I believe that we as the public have a responsibility to make sure that we put children in, in a community that where we live in a position to succeed. But again, why do I care what the name says on the front of the school? I want to know when someone leaves that school, can they read? Can they write? Can they critically think? Can they analyze? Do they understand basic things in science? Do they understand the basics of American history? And they have been given the school the skills to succeed. And we go through issue after issue and you know, if, if supporting charter schools means I hate public education, as we say, it's hard to have a discussion with that. Once you've told me I'm a hater, I don't know where we discuss it. When when we talk about whether folks should be, whether, you know, we have green energy or not, you're told, well, because you're a climate denier. I don't even know what that means. I know there's a climate outside. I can feel the weather. I can see weather patterns. But again, we have a debate. Look, many of the great inventions we have, many of the great ideas we, we had was through trial and error and through debate. Mm-hmm. And discussion. The American Constitution came about after months of debate between people, you know, give and take, and those folks going back and talking to their families and talking to shopkeepers and going to bars and and, and being able to engage. You know, the way we create things, the way the the is through trial and error and discussion. You know, you, you can't you can't create a a better electric car with a with a smaller lighter battery if when everybody assembles in the conference room nobody's allowed to talk because their idea might be wrong i mean you know it, it's inherent to america it's inherent to the american experience it's inherent in creativity that we're allowed to discuss and debate and challenge it's it's where great guy, ideas come from guy i'm sorry hold on we're gonna have to take a break but i want to continue this right after the break folks to the elephant in the room on wjas 1320 a.m we'll be right back the midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Folks, welcome back to the Elephant in the Room here on WJS 1320 AM. We're here with our special guest, Guy Shiraki. Guy, you were just talking right before the break about how are we ever going to improve as a nation or, you know, in business or whatever, if we can't talk to each other about things because we're concerned that if we say something, somebody may object. So please, let's go back yeah. to what you were saying there. Sure. Well, it's how we collaborate. It's how we have, uh, it's how we have uh, you know, resolve problems is discussions where inventions come from. When I, when I write, uh, you know, I write for Broad Liberty and for Real Clear uh, Politics, you know, I, I write, and and as becoming the custom, I I list my email or social media handles because I want people. You know, I, look, I I think I'm terrific and really smart. But you know, <laughs> I would that I occasionally make mistakes, or or I miss a perspective, or I you know what have you. So when I write, uh, and my and my columns go out online, or they're uh, you know they're in the Tribune Review or the Post Gazette or, or wherever they may be. Uh, it's great when people write back. Now, when people write back and say, that was wonderful, I mean, that's nice, but it doesn't help. And if somebody says, you know, you Republicans are all idiots, I mean, that's not really productive. But what I really appreciate is when somebody takes five or ten minutes and writes a paragraph or two back and says, I like what you said because, or, you know, you might want to consider this or that. It's exactly why I write. I, I don't I don't write like, you know, I don't mean to be facetious, but not like Moses coming down from the mountain. I mean, I don't think I'm writing the definitive work on school choice or the definitive work on the Republican Party or whatever the issue might be. I'm writing it because it's a perspective that I think will be helpful, but it's also 
to invite debate. I don't think people who disagree with me are, are necessarily haters or, or what have you. So that's the, that's the mindset that we should have uh, is, is to have debate, uh, you know, true debate uh, on television, on podcasts, on radio, but but in academics, uh, it, you know, it's true debate in the legislature. It's it's why we want, uh, why we like to see. You know, even though it's messy at times, we like to see when legislators, members of Congress or county council, when you turn on the television, are debating because you want to hear the give and take. And, you know, maybe it'll maybe watching it reassures you that you you believe a certain way, but maybe it causes you to rethink it. Uh, And we do ourselves as a nation a great disservice when we're, we're taking that away. And and the name calling and the attacks is a way to end the debate. Um, you know, and it's almost like in school, you know, uh, and not R2, you know, well, you're mean, well, you're, you know, that right. doesn't, that doesn't help. Uh, tell me, tell me what's wrong. You know, you didn't consider this or you didn't consider the cost of that or, you know, New Mexico tried what you're saying and it failed. Okay. Well, now we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have to get, we have to get back to the point where we have a conversation on issues as a nation, but, uh, we also have to agree what we're trying to achieve. Republicans uh, have a certain outlook on life, and one of the reasons that I write is I, I think that our goals are important goals. I'm happy to debate with Republicans, independents, or Democrats about how we achieve those goals, but we have certain goals, and we believe in individuals. We believe in capitalism. We believe in freedom of information. Uh, we believe in empowering people to lift themselves up. We believe in those things and those goals, and, and as a party, we can debate the best way to do it, but we should never hesitate in telling people what it is. And people disagree. Let, let's have a let's have a good, vibrant discussion. We're going to debate the merits of capitalism. I'm happy to have that debate. Want to debate the, the the merits of natural gas? I'm happy to have that debate. But let's have the debate. But let's not close the debate off from everyone because we do ourselves a huge disservice as a country. Well, I you know again, <clears throat> I find myself in, in in whole agreement with you here. I mean, I I'm an optimist. I believe despite over 70% of the people believing that this country is headed in the wrong direction, that our best days are ahead of us because I believe in the American people. And I'm optimistic, you know, that folks will eventually, you know, come around and through debate, through an honest exchange of ideas, be able to determine the best path forward. But I would take in, in, in position that the reason why this country has lasted 247 years is because of the First Amendment, you know, the ability to, to ha- have free speech, the ability to have debate, because when you shut off debate and people don't feel that anyone's listening to them or that their voices are being heard, that's when things get dangerous. And, you know, I would hope that, you know, we would never again experience the type of division that we saw in the American Civil War. But, you know, it's concerning when you have half the country, you know, basically not want to speak or associate or, or anything with the other half. Well, and we saw it during, you know, our recent history in the COVID era when, when different states were trying different things in terms of uh, who was going to school or what businesses were open. Mm-hmm. And, and during that tenure, I was the, the CEO, I was the president of the Chester County Chamber, and uh, we'd talk about the need to get different businesses open and you know, my approach was we needed to get people open as quickly as possible. Just just tell us how to do it safely. Um, and and the answer, you know, again, sort of the equivalent of shutting down is to is to use that kind of language. And the language is always, well, do you want people to die? Right. Yes. Well, this is this is a productive conversation. 
It's either I, or, right? Yes. Right. Nothing I, in between. Right. And I, no, but I also don't want them to starve to death. No, I don't want their children to go stir crazy sitting at home. No, I don't want their children to use it, use uh, lose a year of learning. No, I don't want someone who just opened up a brand new business to go bankrupt and maybe lose lose their home. So, you know, again, yeah, you have a discussion, but but again, even in that, I came at it from the principle of any lockdown should be very temporary and very limited and give people the information they needed to go and make decisions. And if you chose to go to work or you chose to send your children back to school, you could. You know, I, I erred on that side, whereas others said, well, you know, let's, let, let, let's not. So I, was, I didn't mind, I, as frustrated as it was, I didn't mind when I was having a debate. I, I you know, very frustrated when people, you know, went to the, well, you want people to die. Because, again, then you can't have a debate. If, if the one is, you know, one person says, I, I'm for protecting every life and you're for killing people. Well, I don't know. What's a compromise? <laughs> right. Kill some people? Right. You can't really have a compromise. Whereas, whereas you know, you need to have a, have a debate. And, and again, it goes back to why it's important that we as a party learn better how to articulate our message, learn new people to share our message with so that we can, we can prevail uh, so that we can put some of those ideals in place, so that we have people in office who, when they're entrusted with power, serve as public servants and realize they work for us instead of uh, we working for them, who will, are on the side of liberty, who will say, I'm going to give you the information uh, to, to keep your business open or to send your children to school. There's some real fundamental differences uh, that we saw uh, you know, in 2020 and 2021 that underscore the differences between the two parties. And, and it, an individual voter may look and say, I, I prefer one over the other, but you only get to make that choice if you're given the chance to hear those two choices. Well, and, and, and you know, we, we, you mentioned the different states here. We talked about the COVID lockdowns. And that's one of the beauties, okay, of our system of government, right? With 50 states, we have 50 laboratories, so to speak, where they can try different policies out and we can see what works and what doesn't. And we saw during this COVID shutdown here how some of the states like Florida, you know, who kept their kids in school and things of that nature, who kept businesses open, actually fared much better through the pandemic and their students are much further ahead than some of these other states, like the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you know, where our schools were shut down and our students have suffered based upon the test scores you know, that have been reported. So it, uh, you know, we, we absolutely have to have this debate. Free speech is something that must be protected, you know, at all costs. Now, as we talk about free speech, Guy, you alluded to, you write for broad and liberty in real clear politics. If someone wanted to learn more about you, okay, or to be able to get, you know, your writings, do you have a newsletter that they can sign up or where would they go to? to uh, learn more about you and uh, get on the list so that they can see some of what we see when your articles sure. come up. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm not there yet, and, and emphasize the yet, uh, because I'm writing, I'm writing for two publications and then doing uh, some radio interviews and podcasts. Uh, so I'm hoping to do that. So if, if, if folks go, uh, I always joke, you know, you can find me, you just, you know, search for me, Guy Shiraki, and it's spelled just like you think. But, um, but 
if 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 you share you know if you if you share my information, but if they reach me through Real Clear, they can click on my name and see all the columns I've written. If they find me at Broad and Liberty, they can click on my name and see all the columns I've written. My email is listed, uh, and, and Facebook and, and Twitter, and I try to do my best in responding to emails. I do my best to responding to direct messages on on Twitter. Uh, and messages on, on on Facebook as well. So that's the best way. Uh, I am contemplating maybe this summer trying to do something a little more organized. It's just right now. It's frankly, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do that right now because I, I'm doing a bunch of writing and editing and then follow up radio and podcasts. Uh, but the best way is that. And and I make a point each day to take a little bit of time. And so it may take a day or two. And, and I encourage folks to do it. I encourage folks to, to share ideas with me for future columns or elected officials that I could learn from or, uh, you know, or, or criticism, you know, as, as we're saying, I do it. So the best way to do that is, is through Broad Liberty or, or Real Clear uh, or to follow me on Twitter or Facebook and then to, to reach out or repost I average at least a column a week sometimes, depending how the editors, how fast they move, because once I write, it's out of my hands. So sometimes I have two columns a week. Uh, it's part of learning. You know, when, when you move over to the fourth estate, Sam, when you move over to the fourth <laughs> estate, I'm learning all these things, you know, uh, sometimes. And, and then sometimes, frankly, things happen in the news. Uh, I may not. I may be on a schedule to give a give a, a publication a column uh, on Friday, but something will happen in the news on a Tuesday, and something will just hit me, and I'll just go to my computer and crank out a column at spur of the moment because mm-hmm. I think I need to write something about it. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, and the feedback is great. And and I I was teasing at an event I was at earlier today. Uh, the feedback around the state is very good. In my own neighborhood, the, the comments are very heated pro and con. So in Chester County, they get very, very intense. But I enjoy hearing the perspective from around the state. Well, Guy, I'll tell you what, I, I always enjoy uh, reading your columns. And, and folks, if you're a listener here out here in uh, Western Pennsylvania, and you have the ability to reach out to look, go to Broad and Liberty or Real Clear Politics, also, we carry some of Guy's columns here. We're happy to be able to take and uh, send them out to our folks in our newsletter. If you want to get our newsletter, please just go to www.allegheny, A-L-L-E-G-H-E-N-Y dot G-O-P. That's Allegheny dot G-O-P. You can sign up for our newsletter there. And and while, John, I'm talking about Allegheny.gop, I also want to throw a plug out for our annual Lincoln Day dinner, which is coming up on Thursday, April 13th, here at the Pittsburgh Wyndham Grand. It's going to be a great, great time. We have new U.S. Senator from Alabama, Katie Britt. She's coming in. She's the youngest GOP senator, only 40 years old. She's the only one with school-aged children. First female senator from the state of, of Alabama, and uh, we're very excited to have her. And she's going to be there while we recognize you know, and honor Jim Roddy. Jim, longtime business leader here in western Pennsylvania, uh, was the first county executive under our new system of government, home rule government here in Allegheny County. And also he was the chair of the party for about 11, 11 or 12 years here uh, <clears throat> to, until he was succeeded by D. Raja, who I then succeeded. So uh, it's going to be an exciting night, great time. Our dinners are typically, I mean, the premier political event in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So if you want to come, uh, there's a link on that website at allegheny.gop where you can sign up and purchase tickets. We look forward to seeing you. So, hey, Guy, I, you know, we're talking about this stuff here, and we've talked about ideas. We've talked about you know, the importance of being able to exchange these ideas. We talked about Republicans, you know, uh, 
needing to lead. And you talked a little bit about this, the changing political map when you were talking about, for example, the uh, rise in ethnic populations throughout the state, both Latino you know, uh, or Hispanic, uh, Asian Americans, and so forth. But we also had a shift here in Western Pennsylvania where labor and blue-collar workers have typically trended to the Republican Party. But while that's happened, we've seen a decline in the suburbs with the number of educated or C-suite folks that are moving to the Democratic Party. What do we have to do to stop that bleed and really consolidate a base of folks that will allow us to win statewide and federal elected office here in Pennsylvania? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, you're, you're at the heart of, in Allegheny County, when you look to your north, south, east, or west, and, and the counties that 20 years ago were filled with Democrats that are now filled to the brim with Republicans. You've had a lot of growth there. And for folks involved in southwestern Pennsylvania, they've, they've noticed and they felt and seen the shift. What's happened in suburban Philadelphia has been somewhat the opposite as the parties have, have sort of shifted. You know, I say that, a lot, you know, I wrote about in my column, you know, somebody, somebody who, who works at the Shell Cracker plant who's been involved in the trades for 20 years has had 20 years of, of Al Gore and Hillary Clinton and John Kerry telling them that their jobs were dirty and they're probably going to have to lose their jobs, but don't worry, they'll be retrained. And they were called deplorable. And lo and behold, those folks decided, we're probably not Democrats anymore, so they don't <laughs> seem to like us. And and that's been a good thing. But but on the other end of the state, so look, first and foremost, I do think it's about recognizing that there are a whole bunch of folks from ethnic communities that have moved to Pennsylvania. They're, they're first and second generation, and, and we need to go to those folks. And there are language issues, but I remind all my friends, you know, somebody that I can name like Chiraki or DeMarco, you know, 100 years ago, it was hard for Republicans or Democrats to reach out to people who were Italian immigrants. Right. And we have to do a better job of that. So the first way I think we grow is to meet with these folks who came here to live the American dream, who I think will be very interested in voting with us and supporting us. And as I said, if we do it so well, we'll stop calling it outreach. They'll just be Republicans. It won't be Republican outreach to the Indian community. It will be they will be part and parcel of our party just as much as you and I are. The second is I just I think that what happened as it happens sometimes in a, in a family or in a relationship or in business, we we have worked so hard as a party. Uh, look, there there was a time where folks who were blue collar workers or folks who didn't go to college. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, didn't feel welcome in the Republican Party or they didn't feel they belong. And I think we've spent the last 20 years going the extra mile trying to make sure. And so I think that we've spent so much time reaching out and making sure the door was open and making sure that that, that steel workers and pipe fitters and steam fitters understood that they were welcome in our party and should be in our party and even run for office. That I think is our message moved that way. I think that some folks uh, in the suburbs who work for pharmaceutical companies or financial services companies, they didn't hear us talking to them, and they felt neglected. And as we were busy, as we were busy talking to 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 you know uh, the trades and busy to talking to those folks, uh, the Democrats were talking to our folks. So they caught us off guard. And so I don't think it's an either or. I mean, when you talk about wanting wanting to support families, wanting to encourage stable communities, wanting to fight crime, uh, wanting to use Pennsylvania's energy to keep prices low, uh, clean our environment, be not dependent on our enemies. When you talk about wanting to make sure every child gets access to a good education, 
I don't think that that's more of a suburban message or a city message. I don't think that's a blue-collar or a white-collar message. So step one, reach out to the ethnic minorities to, to the point where they, they feel as welcome as, you know, it took us a long time to make sure that the blue-collar workers felt welcome in the Republican Party, that it wasn't a country club. Um, so first we need to do that. But the second is we just need to go back and talk to the folks that we didn't and remind them that the values we're talking about, about opportunity and education, apply to them. And just, you know, as you and I talk about, do a better job of explaining what we're for. Everybody knows what we're against. And if you, I always say, if you live in the suburbs, that's the battleground. That's where neighbor fights neighbor at school board meetings and town hall meetings. That's where we fight. So we have to come back and tell these folks what we're for. We we do want a clean, we do want a clean environment. We do want economic opportunity. We do want every, every child to have a chance to succeed, every child to have a chance to succeed, regardless of their background, regardless of, of anything personal about that child. I want every child to learn how to read. I want every child to learn how to write, to do science, critically think, and have a chance to provide for themselves. So none of which is easy, but it is right in front of us, and it's pretty simple. We have to reach out to the changing people, the changing faces, the changing demographics of Pennsylvania. Thousands and tens of thousands of folks have moved here. We need to go say hello and sit down and listen and learn and, and welcome them in. We have to remember that while we, you know, if, if you're looking at your left hand, you don't forget what's in your right hand and go talk to the suburban voters, some of whom we've ignored for a while. And third is make sure we tell people what we're for and, and not be afraid of it and, and be proud of it. You know, we're for opportunity and liberty and transparency and accountability and America, the American dream. And we can get far more tangible. But those are the things we stand for. I'm not I'm not interested in pulling everybody down so that it's so that everybody's equal. I'm interested in giving everybody equal opportunities so they can succeed. I am for clean air. Pennsylvania's air has never been cleaner, in large part because we're using more natural gas. Let's continue down that path. Why on earth would we shut off our own natural gas and our own oil to have imported from around the world? We can have cleaner air. We can have healthier quality of life. We can deal with the environment, but we can do it by economic creativity and enterprise uh, and ingenuity, and we can do it without being dependent on people who don't care one whit about the environment. China's building a coal fired plant every month. Venezuela does not have safety standards that we have when they're when they're processing their crude oil, some of the dirtiest on the planet. So we can care for the environment and grow the economy. And anybody tells you it's an either or isn't paying attention. So look, I feel great about our message. I know you do too. And that's why I'm excited. But but we need to recognize that we're falling behind and it's, it's time to dust ourselves off after last fall. It's spring now. And let's go out there and talk to these voters and welcome them into our party so that we can actually show them that we do have ideas that work and then put those ideas into practice. Oh, I, I, again, guy, I, I feel like a parrot here because I keep saying I couldn't agree more, you know, or I agree. But I mean, I, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're articulating, you know, what conservatism is, you know, what it stands for. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that we need to focus more on what brings us together than in what separates us. I heard someone saying the other day, they were talking about Ronald Reagan having said, you know, we're the only country in the world where someone comes to, to become an American. Okay. Like you don't move, you don't move to France and become a Frenchman. You don't move to, you know, right. uh, India and become an Indian. Okay. But you can move to America and become an American. And I think that the left does such this, you've got to give them credit as they seek to divide us credit or blame, but they try to focus on everything that separates us. So it's not enough to be an American. You must be a African American or an Asian American or a Italian American or an Irish American. You know, it's never just enough to be an American. And I think, you know, diversity, I think diversity in thought is good. I think diversity in experience is good, okay? I think diversity in race and everything like that, 
that's fine, okay? But I don't think that that in and of itself is a benefit. And what you and, and, and let me say before I get myself in trouble, let me say that what I mean by that is the left encourages diversity in everything but thought, okay? Yeah. And I'm saying that I believe in the benefit of diversity, okay? But I'm just pointing out where I think it's helpful, you know? I don't yeah, know if no, I was... I mean, look, that's what... Yeah. Look, Look, it's about it's about particularly particularly for those of us who live in in, in city or suburban areas. It, it, we see the American dream. We see America every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, you go to a hospital and you meet a doctor to care for your child. And the doctor may or may not have been born in China or India. And the nurse is from another background. And you drove there in your car made in Japan. And you go out to eat later at a Korean restaurant. I mean, that is America. It is people come here from around the world, and the unifying thing, the unifying ideal was the American dream. It was opportunity. I want to find a chance to be the best I can be and to make sure my kids have it better than me. That is the unifying idea. Whatever your native tongue was, whether you've been here for seven generations or you've been here for seven years, that was the unifying idea, and we need to come back to that idea to empower people, not to guarantee them, anything other than a chance that they will find an opportunity. And I am for anyone who will give everybody an opportunity to succeed, who will empower people to, so they can reach their potential. Uh, that's why I'm hopeful, but also it's why I feel so good about our party and our values. Mm-hmm. We can find answers. We can find answers, but it comes it comes from ingenuity. It comes from creativity. It comes from empowering people with the education and the tools they need. Many of the problems, you know, most of the problems, uh, we, 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 solve them. we come up with the answers because of debate, discussion, and ingenuity. It, it's still why, you know, no, no, most of the scientific discoveries come from here and ingenuity and Nobel Prizes and, and patents are here because we foster that idea. And that, above all things, is what we have to keep going here is this idea to question and ask and engage and empower. We don't. We don't do any benefit to our students when we don't let them debate. We don't do any benefit for our students when we take away honors programs. We don't do any benefit to our students where the goal is to lower everybody down so nobody's feelings get hurt. It's to it's to raise everybody up. It's to find our next generation of leaders, the people who will come up with the ideas, that will perform the surgeries, create the inventions, build the bridges. And again, uh, if we're holding true, that our children will do better than us and their children will do better than them. That's the unifying idea. And that's what our party is about. And we just need to do a better job of welcoming more people in and telling more people what we're about. And then we'll be successful. And then we get to prove it to them. Well, that's the American dream, Guy. You can come here and everyone has an opportunity, you know, to be able to reach their fullest potential. You can't say that about where everywhere else in this world. So, hey, listen, <clears throat> Guy, man, anytime we talk, the hour just flies by. You know, we've got to go. But listen, you have an open invitation. Anytime you would like to be able to share some of the you know thoughts that you may have or if there's something that you believe is important for our listeners to know, please reach out. We would love to have you back as a guest here on The Elephant in the Room. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to seeing you in person. And I will tell you in our family, my gratuitous sucking up to Western Pennsylvania. In our bracket, <laughs> my wife is always a homer. My wife has pit winning it all. So maybe <laughs> my, wife's, my wife's magic bracket. We'll see if it happens. Well, let's, let's see what happens. But, hey, Guy, thank you so much. And, folks, until next week, this is Sam DeMarco, the elephant in the room, on WJAS 1320 AM.